0: I felt today to maybe divert a little bit from your typical sermon that we might preach on Thanksgiving. You've had so much, many beautiful songs and words. So I start reading today if we all get into our seats, gets comfortable, and uh, maybe you'll hear things today that you have never heard in church in your whole life. So get ready. I'm starting in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 4, where it says about Jesus, He had to pass through Samaria. Well, if you look at the map, it wasn't that physically he had to. He could have gone a a road around it. So I would say it was probably a spiritual impetus. He had to pass through Samaria. Now today, in our world, you know, Samaritan is a very positive word. If someone does something nice to you, you even say, oh, you're such a good Samaritan. That's our feeling for that word. But 2,000 years ago, it wasn't so. The Jewish people looked with contempt at the Samaritans and thought that they were pigs, demon-possessed, unworthy, unclean. In fact, in one instance, Jesus' own disciples were so upset with the Samaritans, they wanted to kill a whole Samaritan village. And Jesus says, you, you don't know what you're talking about. And so there's something deeper when Jesus said, I, I have to go through Samaria. And then comes the story of the woman in Samaria. Let, let's read verse 6. Jesus, tired from his journey, was sitting by the well. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, uh, Give me a drink. Uh, the disciples they had gone to, for food, so they were absent for the moment. Then it says, verse 9, The woman said to him, How is it that you, though you are a Jew, are asking me for a drink, though I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I, I, I do detect a little bit of sarcasm. Maybe she was a little bit bitter. She she's might be saying is. Jesus, are you a hypocrite? Can you imagine suggesting that Jesus would be a hypocrite? It's like, like normally you will not even talk to me. You're a Jew. You don't even talk to me. And now you're a little bit thirsty and you want me to get you water. You know, she's she's, just, I like this woman. She's feisty. How many like some feisty ladies? Come on, huh? Uh, Come on. I mean, she's got some spunk, this lady. He's not going to just roll over and say, oh, you're some prophet. No, no. She's going to argue. She's a typical Canadian. (laughs) Come on. Let's give a hand for Canada. Typical Canadian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to make her point. She's going to make her point. Then... Jesus said to her, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is speaking to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, that didn't convince her very much. She said, you're going to give me water. You don't even have a bucket. What is this religious talk about living water? Don't you even know as much? You don't even have common sense. You don't even know that the well is deep. And then she goes into this great history lesson. You know, it's amazing what people will talk about. She goes back 800 years. This is, by the way, did you know that our father Jacob, that was 800 years earlier, he did his cattle business around here. She's just like, I find it so amusing that from our perspective we say Jesus is the light of the world and here the light of the world hardly gets a word in edgewise. She's doing all the talking and she has her point of view. Then Jesus says to her, verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water, I'm going to read a little bit of, not the whole story, it's 45 verses. So I'm not going to read the, just a little thing and then I'm going to talk to you about it. Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, Give me this water so I will never be thirsty. So we could say for her, not unlike your typical Canadian, she was a little bit open. She wasn't convinced, but she said, okay, tell me more. And then Jesus kind of drops a metaphorical bomb into the conversation. He says, verse 16, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I don't have a husband. I'm single. Jesus said, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. Imagine that, married five times. And she says, and the one you now have, you got a a man in your life, but he's not your husband. She probably gave up on marriage and said, I tried five times and it didn't work. But anyhow, uh, I, I can sense maybe she was a bit jaded. I mean, maybe, come on, men, don't be upset with me, but Maybe she had come to the conclusion, men are jerks. Have you heard that expression? I tried five of them, nothing worked. Now, I hope that you ladies don't feel that way. I know that my wife doesn't feel that way, which I'm grateful for, but I mean, she could have had a little bit of an edge in her. Are you with me? I see some of the ladies smiling. The men look nervous. Nevertheless, let's move on. She responds, verse 19, she said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So it's kind of an acknowledgement. And then she goes into discussing theology. Your people want to discuss, argue. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain there in Samaria, and yet you Jews say that in Jerusalem, that's the place where one should worship. So she's ready to pick a fight again. She kind of, you know, she said, oh, oh. He's a little bit more than just anybody. He's a prophet, but I still want to go, I want to go toe to toe with this guy. Let's have an argument. What's the right place to worship? And then Jesus says, Believe me, woman, that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And he goes, he's basically saying, there's a day coming when all this religious stuff won't even matter. And it's coming very soon. He says in verse 23, a time is coming and it's even arrived because it arrived with Jesus. And, but there's still things to happen like his crucifixion, his, his resurrection, the end of the Jewish religion, all that is still to come very shortly. He says a time is coming. Even now has arrived when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and as you heard referred to earlier, in truth. And then the woman said, We believe the Messiah is coming. And Jesus says, I'm the one. I'm the one you're talking about. And then it says, she left her water pot, went into the city, and told everyone that she had met a man who told her everything. And so so before I read anything else, let's talk a little bit. Are you ready? First of all, Jesus breaks the rules of religion. Some people have the idea that Jesus somehow fulfilled the religious requirement. He broke the rules. It says so right out in John 5, 18 that Jesus broke the rules. It's hard for us to understand because we're so uh, kind of used to Bible stories. We don't get the significance. But if you've ever been to Jerusalem in the Middle East, what happened here is about as radical as if you would see a, a, an, an orthodox Jewish man with his big hat and his ringlets go to Starbucks downtown Jerusalem and he would sit and talk to a Muslim woman with her charter and you could only see her eyes and people say, "This is people would be shocked. Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. It's shocking. See, Jesus isn't anti-religion. He is irreligious. And we say we say and we don't mean it as a cute remark we actually mean it in its depth that jesus didn't come to give us another religion i know that christianity has become laden down with rules and religious uh, principles and ideas and ordinances but the fact is jesus came to put an end to religion and when i say that i mean the human striving You know, I've said that to have a a religion business, you need to uh, have belief in a God that is unhappy. He loves you, but he's unhappy with you. And then you need to foster and nurture guilt feelings within people. So that if people feel like, you know, I'm not good enough. I never measure up. I could never be good enough. And God loves me, but he's kind of unhappy with me. If you nurture those two uh, ideas, and then you say, come to our building because we dish out some weekly forgiveness. That could, that could cause church attendance to rise or, or temple or, or, or the Buddhist shrine attendance or whatever religious building. You say, we just dish it out like a seven-day allotment and you can come back and, and you have kind of a business of religion going on. But Jesus smashed the business of religion. Oh, this is good news. He smashed it. He smashed it. Because God is not frowning on your family. God is smiling on your family. God's favor is on you and your family. And the guilt and the shame has been put away. And God gives you new hope and a new life and a new future. Okay, another thing I notice here is that God loves opinionated people. (laughs) So there you say, you want nobody that has any opinion. God God loves this woman. Jesus is spending time with this woman, and she's full of opinions. Have you ever met people full of opinions? Maybe some of you try to talk about Jesus Christ and what Christ means you with your family, and oh, boy, there goes a three-hour discussion and it's full of opinions. So I want to say God loves opinionated people. Now, let me tell you some of the opinions I hear. Of course, I, I'm inside the church, but I kind of have my ears out there. Here's what I hear Canadians are saying. The opinion is I can't go to church. There's just too many hypocrites. Well, my friend, you got a point there. You got a point. Uh, In fact, a hypocrite is a pretender, you know. It's also called fake. And we live in a world where there's a lot of pretension. I would say, I don't think church is the number one place for hypocrites, though we welcome all hypocrites to our church. We want you to come. This is the best part. But, but I mean, look at Facebook. You can create this beautiful aura of yourself. You could be weeping. You could be crying. You could be like feeling like, I think my life is over. But people see you on Facebook and they know what you had for breakfast and they know what you're doing and you're like, whoa, I'm somebody. You know, in business, there can be a lot of hypocrisy. Somebody could be driving this fancy car, wearing these expensive clothes, and and they look like they are a success, and you don't realize they have five credit cards, and they are as high as they can go, but they're saying, uh, and you say to them, "How, how is business? Oh, it's hot. It's hot. I'm just so busy. They haven't had a sale for six months, but they sure look good. I don't want to start dabbling with the teenagers but, uh, or senior citizens, but it's true. Come on now. And so I'm so glad that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for hypocrites because that means you and I are included. So I say it, but I, you think I'm joking, but I'm saying honestly, if the hypocrites couldn't come to church, what good are we? Moving along here. <laughs> HERE'S ANOTHER THING I HEAR, Well, ALL THE CHURCH WANTS IS MY MONEY. NOW, THAT'S SOMETHING TO THINK ABOUT. YOU KNOW, I TAKE IT VERY SERIOUS. I WANT TO KNOW WHAT PEOPLE ARE THINKING, JUST LIKE JESUS TOOK HER OPINION SERIOUS. I, I, I SAID, WELL, I GOT THINKING, OBVIOUSLY WE RECEIVED AN OFFERING. WE'RE DOING GOOD THINGS WITH MONEY. WE'RE HELPING PEOPLE. BUT I GOT THINKING, not, not think, GIVE THIS SOME THOUGHT, I THINK CHURCH is about the only place that you can go where you can say they sure want a lot more than money i tried the nba you know i said could i get uh, 10 tickets free for the raptors i just want to i'm not committed yet i'm not part of the giving family to the raptor association yet but could i just no they didn't let me in all they want is my money. I I, I went to a superstore and I said, "Could I shop here for three months? I, I I just don't want to pay anything. I just want to I want to taste your steaks and your burgers, and I want to I, I want to have some of that salmon. And and I, I, I'm thinking of making a commitment. No, they said, no, no. There's the door, and we're calling the police on you. I, I, I don't know. I I, I mean, we are grateful here for the giving family, whether to our worldwide ministry or the local church. Thank God we have a giving family. Uh, But I would say this is one of the few places you can come and you are welcome to come whatever you want to do. But I hear it. I don't think you can go to the Royal Ontario Museum and say, uh, you know, uh, I'm considering becoming a, a museum aficionado. I just want uh, my annual membership uh, free. So, So, you know, people say things, maybe don't think, here's something else. People say, I just can't believe in God. I just can't believe. You know, if there's one thing we humans can do, we can believe. We believe, you know, our whole society is built on believing. You believe you're going to go to the bank and get your money. You open up your cereal box and you know you you believe that it's healthy and that nobody got in there and contaminated it with some arsenic or some other poison. You know, so actually God made people to believe. So uh, how, how many are with me so far? Now I'm going to go, now it's going to get dangerous. Tell your neighbor, it's going to get dangerous. Because not only outside the church, but in the church, you hear weird opinions. Oh, it's going to get quiet. Let me give you three samples of strange opinions that I hear in church. The one is like this. I think I have it on the screen. My purpose is to give glory to God. Have you heard that opinion? It sounds very spiritual. People say, What's your purpose in life? My purpose is to give glory to God. So that presupposes the question. Is God short on glory? Is his glory bank account running low? And if so, are are you the one to fill it up? You know, many Christians say this. My purpose is to give glory to God. It's very presumptuous, actually kind of proud. Like, Like the creator of the universe, he doesn't have enough glory, I need to give him more. See, that kind of talking, that kind of opinion shows not understanding the gospel. Jesus addressed this. Put the scripture verse up there from John 17. Jesus says, the glory which you have given to me, Father, I give to them. The Christian life is not for you to give glory to God, but to receive the glory that Jesus has given to you. So the Christian life is not you trying to, I I gotta give God more glory. No, our purpose is to reflect the glory of Jesus Christ who has come to live in us. Oh, come on now. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're visiting with us, if you hear Christians talk like this, my purpose is to give God glory, that could become a heavy burden. You say, I have enough to do Monday to Friday. I have have kids to feed, and and now I'm supposed to uh, bring glory to some God. I think I'll wait till I'm 85 years old to join that religion. uh, No, no, no. The gospel is so much better than many church folks think. What is God's glory anyhow? Moses said, show me your glory. And God showed him his kindness, his grace, his compassion. So what is it? It's that God gives you. This is is the life we invite you to. That God gives you his grace, his compassion, and his kindness. It's not about you giving to God. God gives to you, and you reflect that. Oh, uh, next time I preach, I'm going to spend two whole Sundays just talking about these strange ideas. Here's another one. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. People well, think that's very spiritual. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. But embedded in that strange, weird religious idea is self-loathing. It's the idea, I'm so dirty. I'm a worm. So God can't look at me. So God plays this little game, this little charade, where he kind of surrounds me with his grace and with Jesus. So I kind of fool the Almighty. When he looks at me, he doesn't really see me. He sees Jesus. It sounds so spiritual. Doesn't it? Maybe you've said that yourself. And embedded in it, is, well, you know, you know I, I'm glad God doesn't see me because, you know, ooh, I'm, you wouldn't believe the kind of person I am. And so this can be a burden to people. You may say, well, I don't know. I'm thinking about believing in Jesus, but I don't know if I'm ready uh, to commit to this kind of a self-loathing life. You, you see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.19, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins or wrongdoings against them. So it's not like when God looks at you, he sees all your wrongdoings. No, it says right there, he doesn't. So I say like this, when God looks at you, he doesn't see Jesus, he sees you. You're not some dirty scum to the Almighty. You are the beloved of God. You are made in the image of God. And if you have failed, if you have done things yourself or people have done things to you that are hurtful, you hurt yourself, God still sees you. Just like the father could not take his eyes off the prodigal son who came dirty, dirty, smelling like a pig. When God looks at you, He sees you. He sees you and he loves you. Oh, this is good. Can can I give you another weird idea? I I know I got you thinking. Wait till the two Sundays I want to have next month. I'm going to do this for two Sundays in a row. Here's another strange idea. A real Christian stops doing what he or she wants and starts doing what God wants. Have you heard that idea? A real Christian stops doing what he or she wants and starts doing what God wants. That's what many people are saying. And it sounds very spiritual. Oh, bless God. That's dedication. That's total surrender. I'm not doing what I want anymore. I'm not doing what I want. I'm, I, so, so it implies that there are two opposing parties. There's you and your will, and there's God and God's will. And you are in constant battle with this. And somehow God, by the Holy Spirit, must override your human will and kind of get you to do something that you don't really want to do. How does that sound? You like to live like that for the next 50 years? You say, I, 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 I want to do this and this and this. But, you know, God is manipulating my will. My friend, this is an idea that comes out of not understanding the gospel. I like what Augustine, the church father, said. He said, love God and do as you please. Let me say that again. I just blame it on Augustine. Uh, love God and do as you please. Do what you want. You know where that comes from? You see... It's not you trying. You want to do, I want to do something different and God wants to do this. No, what happens is what we are offering people it's not a religion that coerces your will. We are saying Jesus gives you new life. You actually receive a new heart. That was the new covenant. I will put a new heart in you. I will write my commandments. And the new covenant commandments are two. It is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another according to First John chapter 3. And he says, I will put that in you. So I'm not saying that Christians can't sin. There's a force called sin. But as a believer, you are not in a battle with yourself. Like my true self is battling against God and God wants. No, you are never in a battle with your true self because your true self, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, the surest way, the surest way to get miserable in life is to sin. Sin will make you so miserable. Come on, don't look at me like that now. It's true. If you have the new life, you may have you may have been overtaken, but you have a new life. So so my life is not, oh, I want to do this, but God wants me to do this, and I I guess I don't know if I no, no. I I you know. You, you want to forgive. You want to love. You become a new creation. You want to serve God. Surely temptations could come, but you are aligned with God because you have received new life in Christ. If any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have been passed away, and everything has become new. So I thought, since Jesus was dealing with weird religious opinions, I mean, it is kind of weird. Well, is it this mountain or is it that mountain? I thought God made all mountains. You know, religious, people get up and they get into strange, you know, should we worship on Friday or Saturday or Sunday? Some people are ready to die for that. The only reason we have Sunday church is because in our society, you have Sunday off. (laughs) You know, I say like Paul, every day is holy. Every day is a day to serve Jesus Christ. But religion has weird ideas. I, I hope I made you think a little bit. Are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? So, so here is something else. Opinions, including the ones I have shared, and may be corrected, opinions do not meet our deepest needs. You know, people can have opinions about God. And I think like this, and I think like that. I think the church is like that. Opinions... DO NOT SATISFY OUR DEEPEST NEED. THE APOSTLE PAUL WROTE, HE SAYS, THAT YOUR EYES WOULD BE OPENED, THAT YOU WOULD SEE THE WIDTH AND THE HEIGHT AND THE LENGTH AND THE DEPTH OF THE LOVE OF CHRIST WHICH PASSES INTELLECTUAL KNOWLEDGE. There's something in this woman's life. She has opinions. She studied history. She knows about Father Jacob. And and she knows the, the depth of the well. And she has opinions about religion and Judaism versus the religion of the Samaritans. But none of that makes any difference. She's a human being. And she's dealing with life. And Jesus says, go get your husband. She said, I've had five of them. And now I don't have one. See, now, now this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. People are people. People have things going on in your life. And you can have opinions and you can say, I don't believe in this and I believe in that and I think the church should do this and I think this is wrong. You know, you can go on till the cows come home with all kinds of ideas and opinions but they will not bring satisfaction to your soul. And what Jesus says here, he says the time has come, and at that time he's saying it's about to come, where it's not about your opinion. It's not about this or that. It's about spirit and truth. What, oh, come on, come on. This is about spirit and truth. <laughs> spirit means it's the deepest part of you. It's not that polished religious part. Well, you kind of walk around with your Bible and you're, you're looking religious and you know the lingo, hallelujah, if you're a Pentecostal or you just bow your head. If you're a Presbyterian, you know exactly how to behave. No, Jesus is saying it's about truth, about something real that is far beneath all the behavior, whether you lift your hand and worship or whether you keep them down. It, it's about spirit. It's about something happening in your spirit. It's about a transformation. It's not about a bunch of rejection. In religion, it's about the inside of you and it's about truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. That that it's not just a spirituality that feels connected, but it's based on an objective truth. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You know, here, let, let me read one more part of this story. The woman ran into the city. And the people believed the woman's testimony. But then it says in verse 41, many more believed because of Jesus' word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one truly is the Savior of the world. She said, we discover the truth that what Jesus is about is for the whole world. It's for everyone. See, The Samaritans were the impossible people in the way people were thinking. They were like far removed. Oh, who cares about them? I don't think they're ever going to come to the Lord. I don't think they're going to ever respond. But it says later on that all the different apostles, it says they preached across Samaria. You see, this woman, she depicts what is every human desire. Every human wants to be known and to be loved. To be known and to be loved. Not just to be known and then say, you're no good, I reject you. But to be known and to be loved. And when God looks at you, he knows you and he loves you. No religious game. No smokescreen to cover you up. He knows you, and he loves you. And it says, she left the water pot. I I suppose I could interpret this metaphorically. She, She left whatever rejection, bitterness, accusations of hypocrisy, anger, whatever whatever that pot, that way of doing things, whatever that could mean metaphorically, she left it there. And she stepped into a whole new life. Here she was. I mean, she was almost up there with Elizabeth Taylor in the number of husbands she had had. Some of you don't know who Elizabeth Taylor is because you're too young. But anyhow, she was a pretty big movie star in her day. Are you, are you, how many have heard of Elizabeth Taylor? I see three, four. Oh, no, I, come on now. I know that. She, she was kind of on a different level. But she left her water pot. And Jesus said, I, you have a destiny. You have a purpose. So here we are on Thanksgiving Sunday it's kind of, it's a story that relates to Canada. And when I look at this, you know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, if I'm going to have a spiritual encounter, I need to go on a seven-day retreat. I, you know, I need to, I need to fast for 21 days. I need to, you know, kind of plan it, put it in my calendar. That's such and such a day. It's a such and such a time I'm going to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to press through to God. You know, in the Bible, pardon me, it doesn't really happen like just happens in the course of life. She was just going to get some water. Jesus was tired. The disciples were gone. And in a most unexpected moment, unplanned, she wasn't planning today is going to be my day, that I my life is going to be changed. I'm going to another level from today. No, she was just going, doing her thing. And something happened. You know, I was thinking, this is Thanksgiving. We're having some free food. I think we're having free food. We have a petting zoo for the kids. We have, we we have, we have, uh, what else Maybe we have? We're giving away some gifts. I don't even, we're doing all kinds of good things. And you thought, well, I don't go to church as much as I should, or maybe I don't go at all. I, I guess I could go today. But you weren't coming here because you were thinking, oh, today I'm going to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm you were just saying, oh, I'm just going to get a free hamburger. <laughs> and, and, you know, I guess it's a long weekend anyhow. We have Monday off, so I guess I could come. See, that's how it happens. It just happens when you don't expect it. And something is happening in this room right now. It says there was another preacher, not me. His name was also Peter. He preached. And he says people were pricked in their hearts. Not like a hurtful pricking, but there was a, like a loving probe. And they said, what shall we do to receive eternal life? It, it just happened. Nobody planned for it. In fact, all the times they planned for it, nothing happened. But when they didn't plan, so, and I think that's true today. In a moment, I'm going to ask people to respond, to say, yes, I want to receive this living water. I want to receive and know that my sins are forgiven. I want to receive this new life. And if you want that, you'll be included when I pray here. Or maybe you're a person who... Has had some acquaintance, you know, but with church and religions, but some of these think ideas that were put across that somehow you felt this burden, I have to give glory to this divine being and I so much demand, you felt I can't handle it. Jesus says, all you who are tired of trying to handle it, come to me, come to me. We're not peddling religion. We are proclaiming him who is the light of the world. Him who is smiling on you. Him who is full of love towards you. That's who we are proclaiming. And I think the only thing I want to say is, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm not everything I could be. I'm not everything I should have been. But Jesus, take me as I am. I'm coming to drink of this water. I, 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 I want to come as I am. Would everybody bow your head, Heavenly Father, I PRAY TODAY, THIS THANKSGIVING SUNDAY FOR A HUGE YES IN THIS ROOM. LET THERE BE A LOT OF YES, A LOT OF YES FROM MANY HEARTS. I ASK, LORD, THAT YOU WILL DO WHAT I'M NOT ABLE TO DO WITH WORDS, BUT I BELIEVE YOUR HOLY SPIRIT PULLS ON PEOPLE AND THERE'S SOMETHING HAPPENING IN OUR HEARTS THAT SAY, YES, I WANT TO SAY YES TO THIS. I THANK YOU, FATHER, FOR THIS. WOULD YOU KEEP YOUR HEAD BOWED ALL OVER THIS ROOM? And I want to ask all those who say today, I want to receive the forgiveness of sin. I want to receive this new life. Maybe you say, I'm done with religion. I'm done with that. But I want to receive the new life. I, see, I don't think you're here by chance or by accident. I think there's something. There's a connection here that was supposed to happen. So I'm going to ask others, maybe you say, I've, I kind of, you know, I couldn't handle all the religion. There were so many weird ideas, I couldn't really live up to it come to Jesus. So whatever category you're in, I want to give you an opportunity to lift your hand. And by lifting your hand, you're giving me a signal. You're saying, yes, Peter, I want to be included. I want to receive this new life from Jesus. I want to receive uh, the assurance that my sins are forgiven. I want Christ to live in me while every head is still bowed. How many would say oh, I, all over this room? Yes, I'm included. Lift your hands way up high. I see hands going up already. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up all over the room. Yes, I see groups of people lifting their hand. God bless you. God bless you. Let me see over on this side. I didn't even look over here yet. Yes, 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 yes. Beautiful. You know, this is, I I feel so honored. I prayed, I said, God, let this be a moment that people say that change happened. Because I'm, I'm no one great to stand here in that sense. I said, I just feel honored that God is touching your heart. Can we stand up all over this room? Can we stand up? Everybody stand up in the whole room. I was thinking how I should do it, but I think the way we're gonna do it. I think the way we're gonna do it. You know, Jesus invited people. He said, He said, acknowledge me and I'll acknowledge you. It's like something, you know, powerful. They spoke out. One guy was hiding in a tree, and Jesus says, come on down. He kind of had to show his face, you know. He couldn't just hide up in the tree there kind of saying, oh, I hope nobody. It, it, it is something powerful. So I think today, I hope I'm not imposing on you because I think it's a blessing for you. Everybody who lifted your hand, and even those who didn't, before we pray, could we come and stand here? You say, why? Because by taking those 10, 20 steps, whatever it's going to take, coming down here, you're saying, Jesus, I'm not ashamed of you. I RECEIVE THIS OPENLY. AND THERE'S SOMETHING IN, in JESUS' TEACHING THAT TELLS US THAT IS SO POWERFUL. SO COULD I ASK YOU RIGHT NOW, EVERYBODY, AND THERE ARE PRAYER PARTNERS HERE, BUT EVERYBODY who LIFTED YOUR HAND. WOULD YOU COME FROM ALL OVER THIS ROOM AND WOULD YOU STAND RIGHT OVER HERE? PEOPLE ARE COMING. LET'S GIVE A BIG WELCOME TO PEOPLE COMING. KEEP COMING RIGHT NOW. KEEP COMING, KEEP COMING. I WANT THE MUSICIANS HERE. IAN, YOU PLAY A LITTLE BIT. KEEP COMING RIGHT NOW. I'M WAITING FOR PEOPLE. KEEP COMING. We can leave the lights dim. We don't have to look do it, but come, come, come right now. Come, come, come. I'm waiting for many more people. Come. I want my prayer partners to come. Let's give a big hand right now. Let's give a big hand. People are coming. God bless you. Keep on coming right now. Keep on coming. I'm waiting for another 15 or 20 people down this way. Would you come right now? Let's give Jesus big praise. I see people coming right here. This is a moment of decision. This is a moment of God's grace. This is a moment of receiving new life. Come a little closer over here because people are coming behind you. Come a little closer. This is wonderful. We thank God for his love for people. We thank God for his love for people. I'm waiting if there's anybody else. You know, I know myself. that When I receive Christ and then I acknowledge it, I, I said, okay, I acknowledge it. There was something powerful. I confessed with my own mouth. I've done it. I acknowledge Jesus. This is so beautiful. You were the first one to lead the way, and then lots of people have come behind you. How many are glad you're here on Thanksgiving Sunday? Oh, thank God. Thank God for His grace. Let's pray together right now. Everybody in the whole room, not just the people in the front, everybody pray. Would you say, Heavenly Father? I believe Jesus died for my sins. He took my shame. He took my guilt. He defeated death and hell. And God raised Jesus. And Jesus is alive. And now I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Live in me. I RECEIVE YOUR GLORY, YOUR KINDNESS, YOUR GRACE, YOUR LOVE, AND I WILL LET IT FLOW THROUGH ME. THANK YOU, GOD, IN JESUS' NAME, AMEN. OH, GIVE THE LORD A BIG PRAISE RIGHT NOW. THIS IS SO BEAUTIFUL, SO BEAUTIFUL, SO BEAUTIFUL. I don't, stay, don't, 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 just everybody keep standing. I don't know how we're going to do this right now. I'm just trying to organize on the spot because it's a big deal. So I don't want to kind of miss it right now. I, I see that we do have some chairs. Would you take about two, three minutes, that's all. I have a booklet prepared for you. You know, we've given out booklets to over 18 million people all over the world. And you're going to get a booklet like that. And so it, a lot of people have received it. And, and would you go right over here? Somebody will share with you Go and sit down over there for two, three minutes, and then you go back to your seat. If you lead the way here, I get a good Joan, you follow that nice lady there, uh, you follow her. Just go over there, everybody, and, and let's go over there, and then you go back to your seat. Give a big hand. Give a big hand for everybody right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.